If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Word of Life study series, The Symbols of God's Word. Many times the Bible uses symbolic language in order to teach. Jesus himself often referred to common everyday things to illustrate spiritual truths, taking concrete examples to explain abstract concepts, metaphors for example. Since the natural world we know was created out of the spiritual world, it is no wonder that God can use natural creation to teach us about spiritual principles. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For the purpose of analysis, I have broken down some symbols into three categories. The first group emphasizes the power of God's Word in our lives. The second group describes God's Word as creating, sustaining, and nurturing source of God's grace. And finally, the last group looks at the Bible as a source of illumination and revelation for our spiritual growth. God's Word Power Our primary spiritual offensive weapon is the Word of God. It is the key to winning successfully. The objective is to get the Word of God into our heart and out of our mouth. Waving the Bible in the air is not wielding the sword of the Spirit. Only when we speak the Word out of our mouth in faith does it become the ultimate weapon in the universe. Ephesians 6.17 Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 For though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Spiritual warfare is a war of words, not guns or planes, but the clashing of words in the spiritual realm. It is through words that spiritual authority is released. Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom, that whatever we bind or loose on earth will be done in the atmosphere above us where the prince of the power of the air operates. Matthew 18.18 In Hebrews 4.12 it states, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Did you know that every person has a spiritual sword? It's that red thing in our mouth called the tongue. When words are formed in the mouth and spoken, 
They produce life or death, healing or injury. Whenever we hear the words of God, they produce faith and hope. But when we listen to the words of the enemy, they produce fear and doubt. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 and chapter 25 verse 18 Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is a man who gives false testimony against his neighbor. Psalms 57.4 and chapter 64 verse 3 I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. They sharpen their tongue like swords and aim their words like deadly arrows. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word is the ultimate weapon in the universe. God's word is a fire. Fire in the Bible is referred to as an act of judgment and purification. Just think about it. As the word of God is being spoken, the fire of God consumes the enemies of God and also purges our life. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-nine: Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord? In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God judges the world and us through his word. All judgment is and will be carried out by what is written in the Bible. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 10 through 12. If we would judge ourselves by God's word, we won't come under judgment, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 to 32. In John chapter 12, verse 47, it states, Jesus said, As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For the believer, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 This future judgment will not be in regards to our salvation. Rather, it will address how we were faithfully applying the word of God in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12 If any person builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what they have built survives, they will receive their reward. If it is burned up, they will suffer loss. They themselves will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. The Bible speaks of the Spirit infilling as being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. I believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit in this context refers to us speaking the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit's unction upon our lives is what causes the gospel to be proclaimed with power and authority in fulfillment of Acts chapter 2 verse 41 and chapter 4 verse 13. In Acts 4 verse 31 it states, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Number three, God's word is like a hammer. When it comes to cracking some hard nuts, God's word is more than able to get the job done. According to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, a sober warning is given about the deceitfulness of sin. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, 
so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we think of a hard heart, our minds picture the worst sinner on earth and say, now there is someone with a hard heart. However, the scripture that we just quoted, see to it, brothers and sisters, is speaking of Christians having a hard heart. The practice of sin will harden anyone's heart, saint or sinner. When someone is found in that kind of condition, there is only one thing that can penetrate. The hammer of God's word. Jeremiah 23:29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Ezekiel 11:19. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Hebrews 8.10 This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. James 1.18 He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. God uses his word to break stony hearts and bring the new birth to the sinner and new life to the saint. He also uses that hammer to chisel his character and nature onto the tablets of our hearts. He inscribes the new covenant onto our spirit, just as he wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. 2 Corinthians 3.3 Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8 and said that some people have a heart that is as hard as a sidewalk. We need the holy jackhammer of God's word to break that hard heart to pieces. It's better to fall on the rock and be broken than to be crushed by it. Matthew 21 verse 44. The fourth symbol we come to is the rod of God's word. God uses his word to correct his children, not trials, tests, and temptations. Some people have the notion that God and the devil work together to perfect the believer through crisis and tragedy. Nothing could be further from the truth. God is a good God versus a bad devil. Simple doctrine, but when we get them confused, we can find ourselves in a heap of trouble. John 10.10 The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Various portions of scripture point out the value of trials, tests, and temptations, but only when we overcome them by acting on God's word. We can have a mile of trials and not grow an inch unless we are acting on the word of God in the midst of those trials. Trials, tests, and temptations are from Satan and are out to destroy us. Just read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1 through 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 through 3, and James chapter 1 verse 13 through 15. Please remember, you could walk a mile of tests and trials and not grow an inch unless you act on the word of God in the midst of those trials. One final point, I personally believe that most problems in a believer's life originate from actions and decisions he or she has made. It's too easy to blame the devil or reason that God in his sovereignty is trying to teach us some deep spiritual truth. If only we had said no to the credit card debt and not dated that unbeliever, got mad at our employer, and harbored bitterness towards our parents. On and on it goes. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 through 8. We are personally responsible for a lot of things. Sure, the devil does come in and attacks us when we are walking in God's will. But let's not be so quick to rationalize our problems on someone or something else. God uses his word to teach his children. If your children disobeyed you, would you put cancer on them? Make them a cripple or break their leg? No way. The authorities would put you into jail for child abuse. Our loving Heavenly Father does not treat his children this way either. Jesus addressed this kind of erroneous teaching as follows in Matthew chapter 7 verse 9. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Satan is the thief that tries to kill, steal, and destroy through trials, tests, and temptations. However, God can salvage and work the best out of any situation in order to avoid a total loss. It is never God's best that we suffer at the hand of the evil one. How much better to read the Bible and heed its warnings 
instructions and admonitions and avoid tragedy altogether. At least that is the goal we should all strive for. Remember, God uses his word to train and discipline us in order to produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives according to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4 through 11. Psalms 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 1 Timothy 4.8 For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Number 5. The water of God's word. We all know according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 that salvation is obtained by grace through faith. The rules don't change once we get saved, especially when it pertains to living for God. Our faith in God's word releases God's grace and power for living. The grace we need to live the victorious Christian life comes through faith in God's word. Grace is God's power at work in us who believe. Acts 20.32 Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. To live a holy, sanctified, set-apart life as a disciple of Christ takes the power of God. The gospel is the power of God to receive salvation and to work it out in our lives. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Apart from God's grace working in our lives to overcome carnality, all we have left is religion. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 through 5. Colossians chapter 2 verse 23 states, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. The key to sanctification is to mix God's word with our faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 through 3. In the Bible, water is a type of the word of God because it purifies, refreshes, and sustains life. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. By appropriating the word of faith principles in Romans chapter 10 in regards to scriptures that cover sanctification and holiness, the result will be a life transformed by God's grace. To put on Christ and clothe ourselves with the new creation as spoken of in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 to 24 and Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 14. We must first put the word of God in our mouth until it gets into our spirit. Let's put the creative power of God's work to work in our lives. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the word of God. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 1 Peter 1.22 Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. God's Word Sustenance The first symbol we have is God's incorruptible seed. As we've been saying all along that the Bible is no ordinary book to the believer, unlike a magazine, newspaper, or history book, The Bible is a living force of God's spirit life, according to John 6.63. The Bible requires one ingredient that will release the power of God in our life. Without this vital element, the Bible would appear to be just another religious book, dead and lifeless. The key component is faith. It is the catalyst. Faith is the key that unlocks God's power that is stored in His Word. It releases the treasures of God's wisdom and ability to move any mountain, meet any need, and defeat any demon. Until faith is introduced and mixed with the word of God, it remains dormant. 
When the believer mixes God's word with faith, look out. God's will is coming on earth as it is in heaven. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Acts 7.38 Moses was in the assembly in the desert with our fathers and with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and he received living words to pass on to us. For the word of God is living and active. Just as the potential for life is within a natural seed, so the word of God is waiting to germinate and produce life in the heart of the believer. Certain conditions in the natural must be present in order for that seed to grow and develop to its full potential, like soil, water, and sunshine. So it is with God's incorruptible seed. The spirit of a person, faith, and God's grace must be present. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. The seed is the word of God. The seed is planted through the preaching of the word. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 17. In chapter 15, verse 15 to 20. The seed is watered through the teaching of God's word. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 to 28. In chapter 11, verse 19 to 26. It's only by God's grace and the spirit of God that makes that seed grow and produce the fruits of eternal life in the life of the believer. So the seed is the word of God. Let's now look at the explanation of the parable of the sower that Jesus gave us in order to illustrate this powerful truth in Luke chapter 8 verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they cannot believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for only a little while, but in time of testing, they will fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance produce a crop. The seed of God's word is sown into the human heart whenever it is heard. As we have just read, the condition of the person's heart would determine if that seed will grow and produce a harvest. What I want us to appreciate is the fact that the seed has the power within itself to bring about its own fulfillment and produce after its own kind. As long as the conditions of faith are operating in a good and noble heart, God's grace will bring the increase and harvest in time. So let the word do the work. Jesus said his yoke would be easy and his burden light. However, without faith in God's word, that would be impossible. So often we rely on our own natural resources and efforts to get the job done. Natural skill and resources are limited, but all things are possible to them who believe. So the Father God wants his children to enter into rest by sowing his word in our lives and allowing our faith to bring substance to the things we hope for. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. There we have it. God has made provision for his children to enter into his rest and provision. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, it is revealed that God has given us his exceedingly great and precious promises. So how are they appropriated into our lives? Just as we have been saying, speak it, believe it, and receive it. Faith in God's word. Finally, I would like to illustrate two spiritual laws found in Genesis that will summarize the eternal truth of the incorruptible seed of God's word. The first law is this. Everything produces after its own kind. There is a natural side as well as a spiritual side to this law that God has set in motion in Genesis chapter 1. 
The seed of every living thing is within itself to reproduce itself. Trees reproduce trees of the same species. A bird and a fish cannot reproduce together. Jesus refers to this natural principle with a spiritual application. The seed is the word of God. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 it states, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said to man, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. John chapter 12 verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So if we had acres of land on a farm, and in those fields we wanted to reap a harvest of wheat, what would we need in order to harvest a wheat crop? Well, wheat seed, of course. We can't take rice seed and plant them and expect to receive a harvest of wheat. The Bible contains thousands of promises from God in the form of spiritual seed. This is God's primary way for us to receive His provision for every area of life. Plant seed to meet needs. However, to meet a specific need, we need to find the specific seed that covers that area of need. If our body is in need of physical healing, then let's find some healing scriptures and plant them in our heart through the spiritual principles of faith. That healing seed will grow in our heart and materialize in time. If we need more of God's peace in our life, let's not focus our time and energy on planting sanctification seed. It's the same as planting rice seed and expecting wheat to appear in the natural. We must sow the type of seed to meet the specific need. We have to sow before we can expect to reap a harvest and receive God's provision for our lives. Isaiah 55 verse 10 As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me void or empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The second law of Genesis is this, as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. Notice that the scripture does not say harvest, then seed time. Before every harvest, there is always a season of planting. This principle is true in the spiritual as it is in the natural. To reap a spiritual harvest, spiritual seed must first be planted. This seed is the word of God. When we sow the word in our heart through faith, we can expect to reap a harvest of God's provision for our lives. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. The spiritual law of sowing and reaping not only refers to speaking the word of God, but also to actions. Every act has a corresponding consequence, good or bad. Galatians 6 verse 7 Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Matthew 26.51 One of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Before any of us received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, the seed of God's word was first sown in our hearts. Someone preached the word on salvation to us. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. Remember, we cannot reap a spiritual or natural harvest until we first sow the seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. 
Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. God's word is incorruptible. That means it can never change, be altered or perverted in any way. I encourage you to read Psalms chapter 119. The whole chapter is devoted to glorifying God for his eternal word. Our first experience with this life-giving seed was in the new birth of our human spirit. We had mentioned earlier that salvation experience is precipitated by the planting of God's word in our heart. It is that same scripture on salvation that produces the fruit of eternal life in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. James chapter 1 verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. 1 Peter 1.23 For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Mark 13.31 Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. Psalms 119, verse 89, verse 152, and verse 160. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Let's now look at the second symbol of God's word. The word of God is the bread of life. As natural food is to our body, So the word of God is to our spirit. A minister once said, People wonder why they don't have any faith to receive from God. They feed their body three hot meals a day, but their spirit one cold snack a week. God's word is our primary way of nourishing ourselves spiritually. The word of God is our bread of life. Matthew 4.4 Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Natural food contains energy called calories. When we study the food cycle, all our food sources come from the sun's energy. That awesome power is converted into biological matter that sustains life on this earth. We have read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of God is living and active. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. The Son of God shines his light and breathes his spirit into the word of his grace and it is alive and full of life. It releases spiritual calories that are converted into spiritual energy for us to live and move and have our being, according to Acts 17.28. Job 23.12 I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Jeremiah 15.16 When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Food is the substance that gives life and energy and speaks of sustaining power. God's word produces the same effects for our spiritual life, which encompasses our whole being and destiny. Notice by these scriptures that it involves an act of our free will to open our mouth and eat, but it's easy when we're eating the honey of God's word, our joy and our heart's delight. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 8 and chapter 3 verse 1 through 3. You must speak my words to them whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Psalms 119 verse 103 How sweet are your promises to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalms 119 verse 9 For the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Do not worry about becoming overweight with God's word. It does not have the same negative effects as obesity does in the natural. As a matter of fact, the scriptures admonish us to be full of God's word. 
Physically, we cannot live on a few snacks a week. We cannot afford it spiritually either. To be equipped and nourished spiritually is more important than it is for our physical bodies, because to be spiritually sound has eternal implications. A human spirit depleted of God's word is weak, feeble, and frail, unable to deal with life's issues that confront us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let us approach the banquet of the table of God's word with a hearty appetite and eat our fill of his salvation. The Bible is our source of spiritual food and nourishment. For the new babe in Christ and the mature believer, there's always something good to eat in heaven's kitchen. Now we feed our spirit through meditating on the word of God. Unfortunately, in our Western world, we are the fastest readers on the earth. Like the rest of our culture, everything is fast. Quantity without a whole lot of quality. Bible meditation speaks of a slow, savoring process that submerges oneself in the scriptures in order to extract spiritual truth given by the Holy Spirit according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. Remember how mom would tell us at the dinner table, now you need to chew each mouthful 20 to 30 times before you swallow. The wisdom in these words kept us from having an upset stomach. The Bible needs to be approached in the same way. Let's give ourselves a lot of time without being in a hurry. We should not set some quota for ourselves, like 10 pages in 10 minutes. Rather, we need to allow ourselves time to take in each verse one at a time, chewing on it in order to extract all the wonderful revelation we can before we move on onto the next bite. The word meditate in the Hebrew actually means to murmur or mutter, to ponder, imagine, speak, study, talk, and utter. In other words, to speak God's word out loud. We need to eat the Bible like a cow eats grass, graze in the pastures of God's word, chew it in your mouth and in your heart for a long time, bring it back up later on and chew on it some more. Be prayerful as you read the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and revelation. Reflect, resonate, savor, relish, mutter, and speak God's word. Take it from Betsy. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So Bible meditation plus careful application equals prosperity and success. Now the third symbol of God's word is God's word is medicine to all our flesh. When we get attacked in our physical bodies with sickness and disease, we instinctively reach for some medicine to ingest into our body. I believe that doctors, hospitals, and medicines are a tremendous help to suffering humanity. I believe in these natural means to receive help for our physical bodies, but I trust in God most of all. Thank God for his healing word. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to a person's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, according to the Bible, God's word is health to a person's whole body. Let's look at the Hebrew word for health. It means curative, a medicine, a cure or deliverance healing, remedy, being sound and wholesome. Therefore, we can say that the Bible is God's medicine. It is life to those who find them. Eat them through Bible meditation by speaking the word of God. God's word is a living, powerful force that will consume any form of death that may be at work in our physical body. Sickness and disease is a form of death. If left unchecked, it can lead to physical death. Jesus conquered death through his redemptive work. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15, 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 to 57. Jesus is the word of God made flesh according to the gospel of John chapter 1. When we receive and abide in God's word, we are abiding in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ himself, full of life and God's power according to John chapter 15 verse 7. Psalms 107 verse 20. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. 
Exodus 15.26, the Lord said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not permit on you any of the diseases I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. The phrase in Exodus 15 verse 26, for I am the Lord who heals you, refers to the Hebrew redemptive name of God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. God's primary way for healing is through faith in his word. God's word contains the power to heal our hurting body. The Hebrew word Rapha means to mend by stitching, to cure, heal physician, repair through making one whole. John 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Matthew 8 verse 14, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. God's word contains the power to heal our hurting body. Someone may ask, well, how do I take my medicine? When we go to the great physician Jesus for healing, he will prescribe for us to ingest his word day and night until our healing manifests. He will also tell us to continue in his word in order to keep the ailment from ever coming back. As we meditate and speak God's healing scriptures over our life, they will eventually get into our spirit where faith grows and in time will release the healing power of Jesus into our body. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Joshua one eight. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God's Word Revelation Let's now look at the light of God's Word. Just as natural light reveals this natural world, the Word of God reveals the kingdom of God to us. God's will for our lives is to walk in the truth of his word and not stumble around in ignorance. The measure of God's word that we are walking in and living in from day to day is the measure of spiritual light we are walking in. Without the Bible, God is extremely limited in revealing himself and his kingdom to us. God's word enables us to see clearly as things really are, not as they appear to be to our physical senses. Psalms 119 verse 130 in the Amplified. The entrance and unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension to the simple. The Hebrew word for entrance means disclosure, opening, to open wide, appear, break forth, and draw out. The Hebrew word for light is illumination, like lightning, bright, clear, daylight, morning sun. And the Hebrew word for understanding means to distinguish, consider, discern, inform, instruct, have intelligence, knowledge, perceive, be prudent, skillful, to regard, to teach, think, view, and deal wisely. God's word imparts knowledge and understanding concerning God, ourselves, and the world we live in. Revelation is unveiling of truth that enriches our lives to know the Lord and to walk in his ways. There is no other source of written material that has divine inspiration like the Bible. It is our source of all truth, as Jesus said, Sanctify them by thy truth, your word is truth, in John seventeen seventeen, The Bible does not just have truth, it is truth, through and through. Let the word of God turn the lights on in your life. Luke 2, verse 28. Simeon took Jesus in his arms as a baby and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. God's light shines through his word and drives out the darkness of ignorance, confusion, and hopelessness out of our lives. 
This light produces eternal life and freedom that translates us from the authority of darkness into the kingdom of the light of God's dear Son, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. The entrance of your words gives light, Psalms 119, verse 130. Knowledge of God through his word produces light. What a wonderful treasure we have, storing up the knowledge of God in our hearts, that we may be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. Now like what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Psalms 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Psalms 43 verse 3. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. The word of God is a light that guides our life along the path of eternal life. It is our only true source and final authority for all matters that pertain to life and conduct. The Bible will always lead us into the presence of God to receive salvation and all things that pertain to life and godliness. Matthew 7 verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now one step out of God's word is one step into the darkness of error and deception. Stay with the word and do not embrace the philosophies of people and the lies of this world. The Bible is our only true source to lead us to God and to understand his kingdom. All we need to know about spiritual revelation is found in the Bible. When people start seeking revelations that are beyond the word, they are in dangerous waters. Satan is known to appear as an angel of light to distort scripture and provide counterfeit revelation to deceive people from knowing the truth. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 through 3, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. Get full of God's light by getting full of God's word. Let's now look at this second symbol. The word of God is a spiritual mirror. Mirrors in the natural are used by us every day. They give us an accurate reflection of what we look like. We have learned to trust them to portray an accurate reflection of how we look from a natural standpoint. We have learned to appreciate and sometimes disgust the blatant honesty of a mirror. It reveals our good days and our bad days without any prejudice or bias. God's word is a spiritual mirror that reflects a spiritual image unseen to the natural eyes. This true image of who we are in Christ Jesus can only be seen through the eyes of God's word. This is how God sees us, and this is the way we stand and are positioned spiritually before Almighty God through Jesus Christ. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a person who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But the person who looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. An important principle to point out in the scripture that we just read is that hearing the word without putting it into practice will do us no good. Here are a couple of ways we can put God's word into practice in our lives. First, by meditating on the promises of what God has given us through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Second, obey any instructions concerning lifestyle, behavior, and attitudes. The fulfillment of Jesus' redemption and our obedience in following God's commands is accomplished first by meditating on those very scriptures. The first step provides God's grace and power to put them into practice. Luke chapter 11 verse 28, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There are some 30,000 plus promises in the Bible. According to 2 Corinthians 1 20, 
All these promises are yes for us today in Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, according to Colossians 2.3. For in him we live and move and have our being, Acts 17.28. In Jesus Christ we have all things, can do all things, and are all things. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 21. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death, or present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Matthew 7.11 Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Romans 8.31 If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 1 Timothy 6.17 Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Unfortunately, with the help of religious tradition and a backward society, many Christians end up having a distorted image of God and themselves. Remember the mirror analogy? Sadly, the kind of mirror that many Christians look at is like those found in a carnival, all twisted and out of proportion. Their minds are full of all kinds of goofy and twisted thinking. But thank God, if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, according to Colossians 3.16, we can renew our minds, according to Romans 12.2, into the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. This will result in us having a transformed life in order to think right, believe right, and therefore receive the right things from God. 2 Corinthians 5.16 So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I would like to encourage you to start looking at yourself and others through the eyes of God's word. Believe me, things will become much more focused and clear. But don't stop there. Let's go beyond just looking at the Word of God. Let's put it into practice. Put God's precious promises in your mouth and in your heart and start receiving God's provision of grace for every area of life. Life does not have to be the same. You can change. And your circumstances can change as you learn to mix His Word with faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 through 3. Begin acting on and confessing God's Word. In time, your life will begin to be rearranged and transformed. Begin looking through the eyes of God's Word. The third symbol is that God's Word is a solid rock on which we stand. All decisions and behavior are based on some kind of a belief system. The type of social, religious, or philosophical training is the cornerstone from which life is built. Unless that cornerstone is Jesus, our life will be off base. I've been saying that God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and conduct. The Bible is the rock on which we build our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and to become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalms 119 verse 89 verse 152 and verse 160. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. 
All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Great peace have they who love your word, and nothing can make them stumble. Mark 13.31 Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In the natural, the ideal foundation on which to build any structure is upon solid rock. The engineers will direct the construction crew to drill pylons deep into the ground until they can be anchored into sheer bedrock. This solid foundation stabilizes the structure against storms and earthquakes. When the believer learns to practice the word in every area of life, he or she is building their house upon a rock. Regardless of the prevailing winds of false doctrine and crises, God's word sustains us and supplies the grace we need in order to overcome. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash. Luke 11.28 Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. James 1.25 But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Human nature likes to procrastinate until tomorrow when it comes to Bible reading and meditation. However, it is often too late to build our faith in the midst of the storm. How much better is to establish a lifestyle of building our faith upon a rock? It's no fun when our life crashes around us due to negligence and a lack of preparation. There is a higher realm in God to live by rather than resorting to a crisis management system of scrambling for answers and uttering desperate pleas for help. Matthew 26 verse 40 Then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men and women of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 and chapter 4 verse 7 Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a person keep their way pure? By living according to your word. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life Study Series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.